Welcome to the National Native Network podcast series. Today we're presenting our webinar archive, the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program five-year evaluation, presented on August 18, 2021. To view the webinar video and additional resources, please visit our website, keepitsacred.org, and click the Resources tab and the Webinar Archive tab. Please enjoy our presentation. Hello, my name is Mike Willett with the National Native Network, a program of the Intertribal Council of Michigan. Welcome to the NNN webinar series on cancer risk reduction in Indian country. This webinar is titled the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program Five-Year Evaluation. This technical assistance webinar is being hosted by the National Native Network, which offers technical assistance and resources for commercial tobacco and cancer prevention and control throughout Indian country and the Indian Health Service Clinical Support Center. Your presenter today is Thomas Ilioya, PhD, Master of Social Work, Clinical Director of Health Initiatives of National Jewish Health. In 2018, he achieved his PhD in social work from the University of Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In 2011, he received his Master in Social Work from the University of Toronto in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And in 2004, he earned his Bachelor of Social Work from the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Dr. Ilioya is the Clinical Director for Health Initiatives at National Jewish Health. He is a licensed social worker with years of healthcare practice and research experience and expertise working with individuals who use commercial tobacco and other substances. Dr. Elioya focuses his work with people who have health disparities or have, so, uh, have social disadvantage. Nationally, he collaborates with researchers, clinicians, and state health departments to build strong connections between health systems and the commercial tobacco cessation programs of National Jewish Health. No commercial interest support was used to fund this activity. This activity is designated one contact hour for nurses and physicians. And to obtain a certificate of continuing education, you must be registered for the course, participate in the webinar in its entirety, and submit a completed post-webinar survey. Webinar evaluations will be disseminated via email in 24 hours upon completion of the webinar today. At the conclusion of this activity, the healthcare team will be able to evaluate evidence-based strategies for treating commercial tobacco use and dependence and implement a brief intervention for commercial tobacco treatment. And now at this time, I would like to present Dr. Ilioya. Thank you, Mike, uh, for that introduction. Um, and thank you to the National Native Network for inviting us to be part of this webinar. Uh, I'm gonna first um, just uh, apologize in advance if my dog starts to bark. Uh, somebody was knocking at the door just as the webinar gets started as these things happen. Uh, so if uh, I will mute myself if, if it happens, but uh, there may not be much notice and it's right in my ear. So um, apologies in advance. I would like to start by acknowledging the Indigenous people from the many places that I've stayed with uh, in my journey to be with you all virtually today, from the traditional lands covered by the Treaty 6 area of Canada to the traditional territories and ancestral homelands of the Cheyenne, Arapaho, and Ute nations here in Colorado. I want to acknowledge the painful history of the missing children in the residential schools and the forced removal of the people from these places. I also want to honor the many Indigenous people who are connected to these lands 
and whose presence enriches all of our communities. Today, I'm excited to present results from our five-year evaluation of the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program, which was developed and is operated by National Jewish Health as a culturally tailored quitline program. First, a little bit about National Jewish Health. We were originally founded as a charity hospital to treat tuberculosis for the poor, as back then the best treatment was high altitude and dry air, and there are a few places better than the Mile High City for this. Today, we're an academic medical research center based in Denver, Colorado, and are the leading respiratory hospital in the nation. As part of our efforts to improve respiratory health, we developed and have offered since 2002 a comprehensive treatment program for smoking and other commercial tobacco products. We offer evidence-based services for quitting and are very effective in helping people quit, having assisted over more than uh, 2 million people with their quit attempts over the past uh, 19 years. Today, we answer the quit line in 20 states around the country, as well as provide services for health plans and employer groups to help people with quitting tobacco. All of our services are evidence-based for treating commercial tobacco use and dependence based on the clinical practice guidelines. And we regularly review and update our services as new evidence becomes available, for example, through meta-analyses like the Cochrane reviews, uh, as an intervention, quit lines are recommended by the clinical practice guidelines and most recently in the Surgeon's General Report on cessation published last year. There are several key features to quit lines that make them effective at helping people quit, and it's important to understand these features in defining what a quit line is and what a quit line is not. For example, quit lines are not a volunteer hotline that someone calls when they acutely need support. Uh, and instead are a program with scheduled appointments, coaching with a specialist who has significant training in treating commercial tobacco use and dependence using both behavioral and medication supports. And research evidence has demonstrated that these multi-session proactive counseling programs significantly increase quit rates. And research also shows that completing at least three counseling sessions increases quit rates compared to fewer sessions. And as we show some of the data from our five-year evaluation, I want you to just keep those components in mind. I'm also including here is a component of Quitline that many people in the community may not know, and that is that we accept referrals from healthcare and other providers. Often providers may believe that someone has to be so motivated to quit that they're willing to pick up the phone and, and call in for support. And in fact, provider referrals are really key to increasing the reach of Quitlines and to increase quit rates compared to only giving the Quitline phone number when someone says they want to quit. And I wanna emphasize this point because making a quitline referral that includes an active connection between the provider and the program is an important component of a brief intervention. And here I'm highlighting the Ask Advice Connect uh, model, which research shows increases the number of people who enroll with the quitline program. And at a population level, integrating referrals into a healthcare system is an essential component of reducing commercial tobacco prevalence and increasing quit rates. Continuing on with the theme of evidence-based services available through quit lines, we know that cessation medications increase quit rates and that they're more effective when combined with counseling. These medications are primarily over-the-counter nicotine replacement therapy products like the nicotine patch gum or lozenge, but many states also offer all seven FDA-approved medications, including the nicotine inhaler and nasal spray, as well as bupropion and varenicline. Interactive, personalized text message and online programs have also been shown to increase success with quitting and are increasingly offered by state quitline programs. As a whole, quitlines are more than just a telephone-based service today. They really represent a hub of effective cessation services recognized as effective methods to help people quit using commercial tobacco. People can choose which products or which services they want as part of their quit attempt to really personalize their overall quit journey. And providers can send referrals by fax using online portals or e-referrals directly from the medical record when available. And as a program or as a service, Quitlines are really the most accessible commercial tobacco treatment resource available to the public. 
I'm going to turn now to describing our QuitLogix program more specifically. QuitLogix, as I mentioned previously, is National Jewish Health's uh, National Jewish Health's comprehensive treatment program for commercial tobacco use and dependence, and is offered as a QuitLine program in 20 states. All of our coaching in our program is conducted with a tobacco treatment specialist who has received extensive training through our accredited training program. And these coaches are really some of the best trained and most knowledgeable practitioners available and truly represent a best available service. Coaches have a minimum of a bachelor's level education and a helping discipline like social work, psychology, education, health and wellness related training programs. They're incredibly kind, compassionate, non-judgmental, encouraging with every person who calls into the quit line. A coaching call generally lasts about 15 to 20 minutes and we try to schedule these calls about seven to 10 days apart to give people time to work on quitting while maintaining progress towards their overall uh, commercial tobacco goal. And as I already mentioned, cessation medications generally include nicotine replacement therapy available over the counter, as well as prescription medication. And each participant in the program receives personalized education materials tailored to their social circumstances or medical conditions. And they also receive our My Quit Journey workbook that they can use to design their own quit plan. And finally, we also offer web, text, and email services with additional tailoring for priority populations who with disparate impacts from commercial tobacco use. Now that we set the stage for how quit lines work, I'm going to focus more specifically on one of those priority populations for reducing commercial tobacco use prevalence through cessation. So we know that American Indians have the highest rates of smoking cigarettes by race. And we also know that these rates vary substantially by region and that the highest prevalence of commercial tobacco use among American Indians tends to be concentrated in the upper Midwest or Plains regions. And as I showed in our map of quit lines earlier, there's significant overlap with where National Jewish Health operates the quit line and this high prevalence of use. We also know that these disparate rates of smoking are also driving disparate rates of health conditions like heart disease, lung cancer, and diabetes in the American Indian community. And the Surgeons General has identified smoking cigarettes as a causal factor for those conditions. And as a result, without addressing the really high rates of commercial cigarette use, it's a really steep hill to climb to address these conditions without commercial tobacco cessation as well. And on the positive side, survey research tends to show that interest in quitting smoking among these same groups, among American Indians, is similar to other racial and ethnic groups, which means there's really an open window to deliver treatment services. I'm gonna to touch briefly on the traditional tobacco movement because I think it's relevant to the work we're doing here at National Jewish Health with our American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program. And we need to recognize that the history and role of tobacco really varies by tribe and by region. And that this context is important as we think about the role of quit lines with American Indian and Alaska Native groups by geographic region. Despite these differences, there's also a common experience of cultural trauma that involves the loss of land and freedom to practice traditional ways. And in many ways, the centuries of colonialism set the stage to introduce commercial tobacco products in these communities. There's many good resources available for anyone who's interested in learning more about the impact of colonialism. Uh, and so I'm not going to go into detail about those here. Here, I just want to set the stage for understanding the importance of distinguishing commercial tobacco and traditional tobacco products for the work that we're doing, and that part of reclaiming the role of traditional tobacco includes helping people to quit the damaging and addictive commercial tobacco products that they might be using. One of the main questions about working with priority populations is whether culturally tailored services are needed. And much of the research to date shows that cultural tailoring does not add much when it comes to the effectiveness of treatment, but it may increase engagement. And if we think of this in the well-established public health equation of reach times effectiveness equals impact, culturally tailored programs may increase impact primarily through increased reach and engagement in services. Generally, culturally tailoring extensively involves working with the community to identify cultural adaptation, presenting information about quitting with language that really represents the community. Other important elements of cultural tailoring include the use of trusted messengers, flexibility within the program to ensure that it meets varied needs. And specifically with tailoring for American Indians, it's important to understand the impact of traditional tobacco use on quitting commercial tobacco. 
So traditional tobacco use can be either protective or promote success with quitting commercial tobacco, or it can present a risk factor for continued use. And the decision to use or to continue using traditional tobacco requires really careful conversation between a coach and a participant, but even more importantly, between the participant and their community or an elder or a traditional healer who can provide additional support and guidance. And finally, offering culturally tailored services really requires sustained commitment from stakeholders to offer and promote the program. Short-term programs may be underused at best, and at worst could actually detract from longer-term efforts to highlight the importance of quitting if the community believes that resources are really going to be uh, short-lived. So what do the data tell us about how American Indians are using the quit lines? Well, national data collected by the North American Quit Line Consortium has highlighted that proportional reach of quit lines uh, is there for people who identify as American Indians at the national level. However, when we looked at national Jewish health data for multiple quit lines, we saw that American Indian callers were more likely to drop out after completing the intake and never move on to their first coaching call. About 60% would drop out, out of the program after completing just their first coaching call, and only 20% were completing that through that, getting to that point of three or more calls. And on average, American Indian callers were completing just 1.7 coaching calls compared to 3.2 coaching calls for uh, general quitline program participants. So these data raise the question that if motivation to quit is not different from other groups, why was engagement so different? And there could be several reasons. And our data highlighted that American Indian callers compared to the general quitline population had lower education levels. They had an earlier age of initiation of commercial tobacco. They had more mental health comorbidity, more physical health problems, all of which can detract from quitting and make it more difficult to quit and may require a more intensive intervention. And higher community prevalence of commercial tobacco use may also mean that an individual caller is more likely to be around people who smoke and may impact their sustained desire to quit smoking. We also know that many American Indians have less trust in external healthcare services outside of their community and may also require culturally tailored messages about commercial tobacco use that then promote quitting. In addition to exploring our data, we conducted an extensive literature review of the best practices in order to understand how we could better reach and engage American Indian communities. We also connected with several groups working in commercial tobacco treatment or with, in health services with American Indian communities to understand the best ways to deliver services. And most importantly, we worked with partners in Montana and in Michigan to directly obtain input from the community about how the quitline could better meet their needs. And what we heard was the single most important element of telephonic cessation services would be to receive their coaching from a native coach. And there was consensus that the coaches did not have to be from the same tribe as the caller, but rather having ties to any American Indian tribe would be helpful. And the feeling was that this would allow a true understanding of the struggles that many callers face in quitting and would also help establish connectivity or rapport building and trust in the service. And trust, as we described earlier, is a key element in the caller continuing through the process of cessation with the quit line. The American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program integrates the best practices for treatment as a culturally tailored quitline program and was launched in August 2015. The American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program follows the community request to have American Indian coaches with deep cultural knowledge and lived experience in American Indian communities with those traditional practices. Our coaches speak about their background and knowledge of traditional practices with callers when requested, so the callers can quickly build rapport and trust with their coach. And we know that things like serial questioning is not the most appropriate or most culturally sensitive format for an intake with American Indian callers. And so the intake is a much more flexible process as is the coaching process where each session is carefully tailored to the individual on each call. The program has a longer duration, which allows our coaches to develop that deeper rapport, but also to address the myriad psychosocial issues that we know impact commercial tobacco use. We offer quit medications, as we've described already, and the program can be reached through 1-800-QUIT-NOW, which is very well known, but it also has a dedicated website and toll-free number that participants can use to bypass uh, the 800-QUIT-NOW the system. 
So people who are interested in quitting can find the program by looking online at aiquitline.com or .org. At the, both websites redirect to the same space. Or they can call 855-5AI-QUIT, so it has a, a dedicated toll-free number. And in states that offer the program, we also offer a starter promotional kit developed through our focus groups and participant surveys with things like posters and wrap cards, uh, web banners, all of the imagery that was used in all of the, uh, the, the website, the promotional images were selected by members from the American Indian community. Uh, and the reasons for quitting that were listed on some of them uh, on, on the promotional items were developed through the process of, of gaining input from people who are using tobacco or using commercial tobacco or trying to quit. And today the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program is brought to the state by the Department of Health. The program is available in 14 states where we provide quitline services. And we're also able to operate the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program as either part of the quitline service or as a standalone program, even without the quitline, because of the, the dedicated toll-free number. In August 2020, we completed our five-year program evaluation for process and outcome measures. We were interested in particular in who was using the program, how they engaged in the program, and the effectiveness in helping people quit. The evaluation included an updated literature review, a review of program data, interviews with stakeholders, and a participant survey. For those who use the program of all callers who identified American in, as American Indian during their intake, 14% opted to enroll in the program. And the program at the, at the point of enrolling is described as distinguishing between traditional and commercial tobacco use uh, with working with an American Indian coach. And so people who choose to enroll in this culturally tailored program may be looking for a specific type of service. We do see that our American Indian commercial tobacco program participants compared to uh, American Indian participants who choose the standard programs are a little bit older, a little bit high, uh, lower education and represent slightly more men, though still most participants are female. As identified earlier, American Indian quitline participants have higher mental health comorbidity compared to the general program. And the American Indian commercial tobacco program is selected even more so by American Indian participants with mental health conditions compared to the average of American Indian participants. Of those who report a mental health condition, nearly all, I think it was 92%, said they had depression or anxiety. And the rates of reporting substance use and PTSD were also higher in participants who chose the culturally tailored program. More of the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program participants lived on or adjacent to tribal land, which we assessed by uh, zip code, but this number was only about 15% of AICTP participants. They also had more uh, cigar and smokeless commercial tobacco use compared to all American Indian participants and nearly all smoked cigarettes which means that there's probably a significant amount of dual or poly product use, which we didn't evaluate, we didn't assess in the evaluation, but we have that data available. When we look at the engagement in the program, we saw very promising results. As reviewed earlier, one of the markers that we look for is completing at least three coaching calls where we know quit rates increase significantly. And in the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program, more than half of participants completed that third call. So they were really highly engaged in the treatment program. 14% of all participants completed that full 10 call program, which was more than completed just the standard five call program for American Indian participants. And on average, our AICTP participants completed 3.9 coaching calls on average compared to just 2.1 calls in the standard program. We did see fewer AICTP participants using nicotine replacement therapy, which may be an artifact of having higher physical health problems for which we required medical authorization to use NRT. And this means it also takes longer to get the NRT delivered because of that additional step of getting the medical authorization. But on the positive side, participants who did use NRT used more weeks of NRT on average compared to AI participants in the standard program. It's just that it took more coaching calls to deliver that gold standard intervention of both receiving coaching and medications. 
We also saw really promising results in terms of quit attempts. We saw that more than one third made a successful quit attempt during the program. So if they completed at least two coaching calls, we could assess whether they had stopped using tobacco at any point along the way, uh, commercial tobacco, I should say. Uh, we did not measure traditional tobacco use during the coaching calls. Um, and similar to the general program, participants with a successful quit attempt had less mental health comorbidity. So people without mental health conditions or didn't report a mental health condition had, had more success with quitting and also used a quit medication, which again, just highlights the importance of getting quit medications to people as they're trying to make a quit attempt. About two thirds of people who did not make a quit attempt still reported that they reduced how much they had smoked when we looked at the number of cigarettes they reported smoking per day. And the more coaching calls they completed, the more they reduced their cigarette intake. So the more engaged they were, uh, they were more likely to make a quit attempt. And even if they didn't, they were more likely to reduce their cigarette use by a, a higher number of cigarettes per day. And finally, in our seven month outcome survey, 38% of those who responded to the survey reported they were quit long-term. And this was measured as 30 day point prevalence abstinence. The national benchmark for quit lines for comparison is about 30% of responders reporting having quit. Because response rates to quitline surveys are, are much lower than in clinical studies, quitlines do, do rely on the responder quit rate rather than the more conservative intent to treat quit rates to demonstrate success. But this also means that the responder quit rate may be an optimistic estimation, while the intent to treat quit rates may be overly conservative. And for this survey, the, the response rate was right around 40%. Some additional findings from our participant evaluation surveys highlighted very high satisfaction with the program, in particular with coaching, with the text and email program, and also with the free medication. There was also a very high perception that the program was welcoming in each one of those different uh, elements as well. 94% of survey respondents said they would recommend the program to another AI person trying to quit. I will note that the, the overall um, number of respondents to the survey is small, but it is still a pretty small program overall. Of interest was also the finding that 42% of survey respondents said they used only the American Commercial Tobacco Program during their quit attempt, which further illustrates the importance of having an accessible and culturally tailored program available to people who are looking for support with stopping commercial tobacco use. And since there's no better way to demonstrate program success uh, than hearing from the participants themselves, here we've selected three quotes from the evaluation that really stood out to us about the value and importance of the program. So this first one, when I saw the commercial on TV, I had my doubts, but as I talked to my coaches, I realized I could do this. I was in poor health. I'm a diabetic with heart disease. All I did was make up my mind that I was going to quit and my coaches stood on the side and gave me the push I needed. Thank you. My life has changed a lot. A second participant saying, we touched on the importance of tobacco in traditional ceremonial practices and how that affects my quit. It was very helpful. And finally, uh, a third participant saying, I felt that natives can understand the struggle against cigarettes for natives. Thank you. I now have nine months without a cigarette and I owe my success to the Native American quit line. So to summarize what we think we, this evaluation showed is that culturally tailoring quitline services for commercial tobacco treatment with American Indians can increase engagement. We think a culturally tailored quitline programs for American Indians is, very, is effective for helping them quit and exceeds national benchmarks for service. And it, but we really believe that having a, a culturally tailored program requires long-term commitment from all stakeholders to really sustain the program from funding to promoting the service to building trust with the community uh, to go back to the community and seek additional input to demonstrate that the program can really be integrated into an individual community or even a statewide community's movement towards tra to reclaiming traditional tobacco by reducing commercial tobacco use in American Indian communities. I think we have lots of time for questions today. Um, you know, to either address what we've seen in our evaluation or generally about the program. 
Um, really excited to, to be able to show these results, uh, but open for, for questions um, that people may have uh, as part of the webinar today. Well, thank you very much, sir. Um, so if anybody has any questions, please type them into the Q&A box in your, go, in your Zoom webinar platform. Um, I do see some questions have come in in the chat box, but if we could try to line those up into the uh, Q&A box, that would be helpful on our side here. Um, this first person asks, um, is the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program or Quit Logics Program offered in Alaska? Um, and then I, I noticed, uh, Doctor, that it wasn't offered in Alaska, but do you have any uh, maybe other notes about that at all? Yeah, so every state uh, has its own quit line program. There's, a, there's several different quit line operators who are, are working in the space. Um, so usually you can find that information either on your state Department of Health website, and they may have, if they offer specific services for American Indian Alaska Natives, um, they'll generally have some information there. Uh, or reach out to your Department of Health contact who's working uh, mostly, most likely in something like a, 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 a tobacco prevention and control or, or some similar uh, named um, division or department within the Department of Health. Um, or you can also look it up on, uh, if you're looking for more information, you can also go to the, the North American Quitline Consortium website, which is naquitline.org. Um, they have links to uh, finding, I think it's on their map uh, page, where you can find contact information for any specific um, state quitline program and, and usually has a lot of information about them as well. And I think that up in Alaska, their, um, their hotline is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Um, and then we do, we did have a question about the PDF slides that we uploaded. We are going to also upload um, the videos and the video of this webinar and uh, the, the PowerPoint slides as a PDF onto our website at keepitsacred.org. That's keepitsacred.org. Um, you'll click on the resources tab and then the webinar tab and uh, you'll see a whole archive of our webinars and this will be uploaded there. Uh, this person here asks, is there a specific ICD-10 code that you bill with so you can get reimbursement for telephone tobacco cessation? My understanding of our program at PTHA is that we get reimbursement if it is in person, not over the phone. Uh, really good question, and I don't have an answer for you. Um, and, the, and the reason is all of the services that we deliver as part of quit lines are funded by the Department of Health. So we, um, as, the, as the quit line operator, we work directly with the state. The state is paying for all services, so there's no cost to the individual, um, and we're generally not billing um, insurance for those services as well. Um, and even when we do work with uh, insurance plans or, or employer groups, it's based on a, a contract, so it's not an individual's level service. Um, and so I, I don't have a, an answer for you around ICD-10 codes, but I did see that there was another question about how quit lines are funded. Um, and quit, so quit line fu uh, funding is generally uh, through money that comes from the master settlement agreement to the states um, paid by the, the uh, commercial tobacco industry for, for uh, in, in, uh, in a settlement for uh, the, the incredible damage that they've done to the public health. Uh, and so many states are used that master settlement agreement funding to pay for quitline services um, or through other things like tobacco taxes and, and other uh, sources of revenue at the state level. So the nice thing about quit lines is that they are always free to the individual when they're looking for help with quitting. Um, the, each state has their own eligibility requirements, those sorts of things. Through our American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program specifically, all of those services are paid directly by the Department of Health um, through a contract with National Jewish Health. And then um, this person here has said, um, uh, how do we bring the AICT AICTP program to South Carolina? Yeah, and so as I mentioned, so we generally contract directly with departments of health. The, the program right now is um, only available in states where we operate, National Jewish Health operates the quit line. Uh, but because it has a dedicated website and dedicated toll-free number, it is uh, available 
in, in uh, to be contracted in in other states. Uh, but again, generally at the the statewide level, so usually through the Department of Health. Okay. Um, are you doing something new to engage more people based on your outcomes? And do you yeah, so offer and do you offer this program just in English or do you provide it in another language? So I'll answer the second question first. So yeah, it is um, only in English. That's generally the language that most people are coming in with uh, and, and the most understood language. Um, that said, we do have access to uh, translation services. We use uh, language line. Language Line offers services in, I think, 240 different languages, although I'm not sure that they have any American Indian languages in there. I'd have to go back and look at that specifically. Um, so the, the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program is specifically in, in English language, um, but our, our general quit line program is available in, in many languages. Um, also has, you know, uh, teleinterpreting for uh, people who are using American Sign Language, or we also have online chat functions, all those sorts of things where people can uh, very quickly connect with somebody um, uh, to get more information about the program. Um, how are AI quick coaches recruited and trained? Well, we're very lucky that uh, the original cadre of coaches that we had for the program have stayed with us this whole time. So they've actually um, been there for, for six years. Um, but we're always looking for for new coaches, so we're uh, you know to keep make sure that we have a, a fully staffed program. Um, we we recruit uh, people directly from the community. Um, we have uh, specific job postings. Uh, if somebody if you know somebody who's looking uh, who wants to work as a, a telephone coach to help people uh, with quitting commercial tobacco, um, please feel free to send me an email and I'll connect you with our our team that does all of the hiring and and. Uh, um, getting them brought on board. Our training program is really intensive. It's a really rigorous training program. So as I mentioned in my slides, our uh, coach training program is an accredited program for tobacco treatment specialist training. Um, the accreditation body is the Council on Tobacco Treatment Training Program, cttp.org. Uh, you can see a list of all accredited programs there. In addition to just that specific TTS portion of our training, our coaches undergo really significant training in uh, customer service, in understanding you know, how to work with people one-on-one -on -one over the phone. Uh, we are, the baseline of our model is really heavily rooted in motivational interviewing. So we spend a lot of time uh, doing training on MI. For our American Indian coaches, we have additional training on tailoring uh, motivational interviewing for American Indian communities. Um, in addition to uh, MI, we also have a lot of training around cultural competency, uh, working from, you know, cross uh, culturally with communication. Uh, we have a lot of information for our AI coaches about um, the specific issues that might be impacting American communities, as in particular, how that impacts commercial tobacco use prevalence and the difficulties with quitting. Uh, so really, really rigorously trained individuals who are, are working with people to help them with quitting. Uh, you would be really hard pressed to find a, a more uh, rigorously trained group of, of people who are, are working in commercial tobacco treatment. Um, this person here says, do you think that a smoking cessation program would help natives with nicotine or tobacco addictions? Uh, and so I, I mean, I think that's exactly what we're showing in our evaluation yeah. results is that this program um, is effective. It definitely helps with keeping people engaged, in particular, um, a, a group of people who we know have significant risk for um, continuing to use commercial tobacco programs. What we're seeing is, you know, we know that people with high levels of mental health conditions uh, or mental health comorbidity or other behavioral health conditions do need a more intensive intervention to help them with quitting. I know there's a lot of information around about uh, out there about that, um, including some very um, good uh, recent webinars or upcoming webinars. Uh, it might be also coming from the Smoking Cessation Leadership Center. Um, that These are the kinds of uh, programs that we know. Um, th this is a, a group of people that we know really need additional help. And so being able to have a really intensive intervention that people stay really highly engaged in, uh, more engaged in our in our culturally tailored program, even than our standard program for American Indians, um, that we're seeing that that it, it not only does keeps them engaged, but the quit rates are also um, supporting what we'd see as as an effective intervention. 
And if you have any questions, please type them into the Q&A box. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm still trying to knock out some questions that uh, were written into the chat box on accident there. Um, let me see. Do you see any increase in calls by AIAN youth or young adults around vaping? Do you incorporate trauma-informed care and ACEs training? Um, so in terms of youth and young adults, so there's uh, a couple of answers. We did not look at that specifically in our um, evaluation to see if those numbers are, have been changing. Um, but we do offer, through National Jewish Health, we also offer tailored programs for youth. We have the My Life, My Quit program. Um, and we have some additional supports for young adults as well. So um, all of our American Indian coaches are trained um, in multiple programs. So we have several, uh, I should, let me rephrase that. We have several um, tailored programs. Uh, we have the My Life, My Quit program for youth. We have an American Indian commercial tobacco program for American Indians. We have a pregnancy and postpartum program for people who are calling in when they're pregnant to try and help them um, quit during pregnancy and stay quit postpartum. We have a behavioral health program for people with uh, who report having a behavioral health condition during their intake. And uh, because our American Indian commercial tobacco program is our uh, top priority, so it's, it's the first of all of our specialized program that's offered to people, we, uh, all of our AI coaches are also trained in working in those separate programs. So they're, they've received the training to work with youth and they've received the training to work in our pregnancy program and our behavioral health program. So really a, a rigorously trained group of, of coaches, but I, I don't have numbers on specifically on youth and young adults um, and vaping for American Indian Alaska Natives. And then the second part of the question around trauma-informed care and ACEs, um, it's a question that we get often, and there's there's a couple of pieces to it. One is, um, you know, when you're when you're working with somebody in a brief intervention, it's it's difficult to address trauma directly. Uh, but certainly, we provide that perspective. We have training on ACEs and trauma informed care. Uh, and one of the really nice things that I like about motivational interviewing is how person centered it is, and how um, respectful the communication is between the coach and the participant or the person who's looking for services, looking for help with quitting, uh, in the sense that it's, you know, it's really participant driven um, with what their needs are. We don't, our, our goal is, you know, we, we like to help people quit commercial tobacco use, but we don't set that goal for them. They set the goal of what they want for their commercial tobacco use, uh, whether that's just reducing, whether it's quitting, um, and, and, it's, and then the coach is working with them towards their goals. Uh, and so that really person-centered approach uh, fits within that overall framework of trauma-informed care, um, along with understanding you know, how mental health and, and how trauma influences um, you know, why people smoke or, or the, the behaviors that they have related to tobacco use or the, risk, uh, uh, the risks that they have for continuing to use or their risk for returning to use when they have made a quit attempt. Um, and so we, we've more focused on the, the motivational interviewing side than the trauma-informed care side, but certainly um, include that perspective in our training models for sure. Okay. Um, this person says, sorry, sorry if I missed it. Did American Indian participants receiving the tailored version have higher quit outcomes than those not receiving the tailored version? So we did not do it. We have not done head-to-head -head comparisons because the programs are different. Um, what we have seen, so generally the benchmark for uh, quit lines generally at the national level is a, about a 30% quit rate. Um, in our American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program, we saw a 38% responder quit rate. So it's um, certainly exceeded the, the national benchmarks, but we don't have uh, data that shows, so we haven't done like a randomized controlled trial uh, where we are showing that people in a, a culturally tailored program um, are doing better. So we don't have that type of data, uh, but what we could see is that they're staying engaged longer, um, they complete more coaching calls, they have, you know, the quit rates are exceeding national benchmarks, and these are people who um, already have many factors that would suggest a lower quit rate, like having higher mental health comorbidity, more physical health problems, a younger age of initiation, um, and, and those kinds of uh, factors that we would expect to see working against a quit rate. So we're, we're really pleased with what we're seeing in terms of cessation outcomes. 
Um, this person asks, could you share how large your sample size was for the survey? Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but um, definitely could provide it. I think we, we tried to survey people who had been through the program more recently. So I want to say it was, it was in the hundreds of people that we surveyed. Um, I would say it was probably around 300 or 350. Uh, and then the response rate was about 20%. So I think we had about um, 50 or 60 people who responded to our, um, uh, and oh, I should say, so for the, for the uh, participant surveys, that's what we had. For our quit outcome survey that we're reporting, um, we had a 40% responder, 40% uh, response rate, 38% quit rate. Uh, but um, the, so, so, and we had, I think, 80, nine responses to that to the quit outcome survey so we would have um, reached out to about 250 or something um, again if you have any questions uh, type them into the q a box please um, this person asks do you partner with tribes to promote this service for native americans so uh, we work directly with our uh, partners at the department of health level so at the state level um, and our state department, uh, departments of health generally have um, some sort of, of liaison or some sort of relationship with the American Indian communities in their state. So we don't partner directly, uh, but certainly work uh, in very close concert with our state uh, partners to work with the communities. So, uh, for example, we often attend um, community meetings, uh, present information about the program to tribal liaisons. Uh, and that sort of thing, but we don't have uh, direct partnerships with the, the communities. You know, we are a, a vendor for the state, and so we're delivering a service in the state on behalf of the Department of Health, uh, but certainly support the work that the, the department is doing um, with American Indian communities at the, at the local level. So I have a question just kind of on the partnership with the state and you and I have talked um, back and forth a little bit in the past on it, but maybe just to share with everybody. Um, the state and National Jewish Health both also like share the evaluation numbers back and forth with each other, like how many people have called in, like say to the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program, and then that gets also credited for like 1-800-QUIT-NOW uh, calls, right? That's correct. Okay. And then people that call into 1-800-QUIT-NOW say if, you know, you're in Michigan, like I am, um, if I'm a, a Native American in Michigan calling into 1-800-QUIT-NOW through that screening process, then I could be forwarded on to the American Indian Commercial Toba Tobacco Program that way as well, right? That's correct. So they can either call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or they can come in through the dedicated services. So the, the only difference is really um, whether you have a transfer involved or, or goes directly through to the program. Um, in either case, if somebody is um, identifies as American Indian, um, right from that's one of the first questions that we ask is, you know, we let people know we have this special program. Would you like that program? If yes, then they're being transferred over. Um, and the, then they're receiving a, a tailored intake and all of the coaching is done um, with an American Indian coach. Great. Um, and then this person um, asks, was there a particular reason why you chose a seven month final survey collection point versus a six month to assess quit rates? If so, um, could you share your rationale behind that? Thank you. Sure. So um, the North American Quit Line Consortium has a uh, uh, best practice of uh, collecting quit rates at seven months. So the idea is that you know the the average person will go through treatment with a quit line program. They complete usually a four or five call program within a month, or, or you know somewhere between four and six weeks, uh, and then they're collecting a six month outcome at the end of treatment. Uh, and so that's the just a national benchmark is to reach out at seven months. Um, versus the, the six months. But um, certainly, you know, the, the relapse rates between six and seven months are, are pretty small. The, the difference is we think that you see a, a slightly lower response rate at seven versus six months uh, for quitline evaluations. Um, this person here asks, what NRTs are offered? So this again varies by state. Um, for the most part, uh, one of the most standard offerings is the nicotine patch gum and lozenge. Um, generally, uh, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks of, of total nicotine replacement therapy with uh, combinations offered. So people can get, for example, if you were getting eight weeks of NRT, but you got uh, two weeks of patch and two weeks of gum or lozenge on your 
on your first order, uh, then you would get a, a total of six weeks duration. Um, but uh, but week counts is is a minimum of uh, around eight weeks. Uh, but some states have have higher um, medication offerings, have more duration available, and then we're able to offer whatever the state is um, able to afford. Um, let me see here. Uh, this person here asks. Um, do you see any increase in calls by AI? Oh, I think that we already talked about that. Um, do you have age breakdown of those who complete or drop out of the program? If yes, any noticeable differences of those who complete or drop out? Uh, we would have that information, but we did not look at that during the evaluation. So it's a, it's a great question. Um, something for us to, to look at in the next round. Um, this person says, could you speak to how you build relationships or partnerships with Native communities in the states that you operate in? A, a similar question again to the, yeah. to the one that we just addressed, but yeah, so certainly, you know, we, we work very closely with our state partners to develop those relationships and to sustain them, um, as well as to make sure that it's, it's bi-directional so that uh, when, you know, if, if people are interested in the program or if they have a concern or have a question and want uh, to know who's operating the service or those kinds of things, that we make ourselves available and uh, really certainly hold ourselves open as, um, or hold ourselves out as being open to the feedback from the community. Um, a big part of this evaluation was to go into the, to the states and um, talk to the, the stakeholders at the, the state and local level. Um, sometimes that meant that we actually held listening groups with people in the community, um, uh, tribal liaisons primarily, or sometimes the states did that for us and they went out and they, they surveyed their, um, their community contacts to find out what was working, what was not working, and that was uh, uh, pulled into the evaluation. Um, one of the big pieces of that was uh, we had a different toll-free number, for example, um, prior and a, and a different website address for the program. Um, and what we heard from the community is that it was hard to remember those phone numbers, hard to remember the website address. Uh, and so as a result of that, we uh, provisioned a new URL to make it really easy so people could go to aiquitline.com or .org, or they could call the 855-5AI-QUIT, which just makes it much easier for people to remember it easier to promote it from the from the state perspective. Um, and, and so those were some of the pieces. One of the other things we learned was um, that when you know, one of the challenges to having a, a small program uh, with a toll free number with not a lot of coaches and, and keeping it uh, completely staffed with American Indian coaches is that, you know, if you have uh, two people on on a shift and three people call in, one of them is going to be sitting on hold. Um, and so we worked to make sure that we would always be able to answer every single call that came into that dedicated line, even if it was not by an American Indian coach, but somebody who could then um, take a message and have an American Indian coach call them back uh, at the next opportunity. So, you know, certainly making sure that we stay open to the feedback, making sure that we keep those lines of communication open between us and the state and the state and their local communities, um, knowing that no feedback, uh, you know, any feedback is good feedback, whether it's positive or negative, um, is something that we're always looking for. Uh, this person here asks, uh, do you weave in a harm reduction model in your quit platform? Yeah, and I kind of uh, alluded to that a little bit with, uh, in terms of how people set their goals. So we do not require people to uh, be ready to quit, for example, in the next 30 days in order to enroll in services. We are enrolling people at any point along the continuum of change um, to let them know that we can work with them on whatever their goals are. And our, uh, you know, in our overall program, we certainly see um, evidence of success for that model where we see people quitting, whether they call it during contemplation phase or they're in preparation or they're, uh, they've quit and, and relapsed and they're calling in to get additional support. So we really take that into account. Um, and then we, you know, we don't set a, a quit date for people. It's always generated by themselves. And if they don't want to set a quit date, but they want to work on reducing how much they smoke, we'll certainly work with them on that as well. It's always about uh, really a participant-driven uh, experience. So we want to make sure that we're attending to the reason that they called in and what their goals are for commercial tobacco use. 
So this question's um, obviously going to be pretty similar to what you had already addressed on working with tribes, um, but maybe you might have a comment on uh, casinos going smoke-free. So this question asks, do you work specifically with casinos run by Native American tribes, um, especially those who are going smoke-free? So again, I think that we've already kind of addressed that you work uh, more with the state health departments, um, but just wanted to see if you had any comments on casinos going smoke-free. Uh, definitely in full support. Um, I think that there's, um, although I have not seen anything specifically around um, the economic impact of, of smoke-free casinos in, uh, for tribal casinos in particular, uh, but I would imagine that the, the results are going to be very similar to what we've seen in, in non-native uh, communities that when, when uh, bars, casinos, restaurants go smoke-free, the economic impact is generally positive. Um, and not only that, not, not just to focus on the economic impact, but also for the, uh, the service staff who are working in these environments. Um, you know, National Jewish Health as a respiratory center um, certainly understands very well the impact of, of environmental tobacco smoke, commercial tobacco smoke, of people smoking cigarettes in enclosed spaces, that that is going to be severely damaging to the, to the staff that work in those environments. Uh, and so certainly very much in support of, of smoke-free casinos. Um, this person asks, uh, you said that you are funded for your services, so there's no cost to participate for coaching, but how do they pay for their NRT? Same thing. The state pays for all services, including the, the web program, the text messaging, uh, the NRT, the coaching, it's all paid, by, uh, for, by, paid for by the state. Um, and then this person uh, asked, do you break it down by tribes? So I guess, uh, like, do you break down the participation maybe by tribes, I think is what they're asking. So we do ask about uh, if somebody has a specific community that they identify with. Um, we do have that information. However, the numbers at, uh, at an individual tribal level are pretty small. So it's, it's difficult to be able to um, do specific evaluations on the tribes. I think we've there, there's something like um, 50 or 75 or maybe even 100 at this point, uh, different tribes that are represented in our data. Um, just to respect everybody's time, we're getting to about four minutes to the top of the hour. So I think that we're going to put a hold on questions, um, but I'm going to continue to ask questions that have been um, entered into the boxes here. Um, do you schedule follow-up calls? Uh, so all, everything that we do is, is follows that model of, of quit lines where we're talking about proactive multi-session counseling uh, over the phone. And so what that means is that, you know, once somebody, it, whether they've been referred by their provider, and in which case every call they receive is proactive from us, um, or if they've called in the first time after that, we're always um you know, scheduling appointments and then making outbound calls um, to, to connect with the person. We will send text messages, we send emails, we put it in their web platform if they've signed up for the web program to let them know when the next, um, when their next coaching call is scheduled. People can always call in between, co between scheduled coaching calls and receive additional support at any time. So yeah, definitely uh, we make a lot of outbound calls. The majority of what we do is outbound calls over inbound calls. Um, this person here says, um, how are the referrals coming in? Is it primarily individuals calling directly or health systems uh, submitting e-referrals? So the most quit lines, uh, most quit line participants, not just in our AI program, but generally, uh, but applies to our AI program as well. They are in uh, people who are calling in for the first time themselves. Um, we're very interested in making sure that we get more provider referrals. We think it's a really important component of um, addressing commercial tobacco use within the healthcare system is to make that referral to a, a tobacco treatment specialist like we have through our American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program or through any quitline program. Uh, so certainly encourage those referrals to come in. Uh, th for the vast majority of people though are, are hearing about the quitline uh, and calling in themselves. Um, and then you have two AI coaches, is that correct? Um, well, the number varies from, uh, from time to time. So um, I, I don't know if I have the, the current number, um, but certainly, you know, we're always looking for AI coaches to be part of the program. So if you have somebody who's interested in working in a, a telephone 
they serve us and working from home, uh, please forward their uh, forward our information to them or send me an email and copy them on it so we can get them connected. And then last question. Um, uh, do you require a certificate of blood quantum or verify tribal affiliation? No, it's entirely self-reported. All right. With that, I think that uh, we're going to wrap it up for today. We do want to thank uh, Dr. Ilioya for his help on presenting on the American Indian Commercial Tobacco Program five-year evaluation. For everybody that participated in the program today, keep an eye on your email for tomorrow. Um, you'll get a link to a post-webinar survey where you can receive a certificate for um, participating in the survey. And also keep an eye on our website, keepitsacred.org, or our social media on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram for more upcoming events. And with that, we will uh, close the session for today. Thank you very much. To view the full webinar video and additional resources, please visit our website, keepitsacred.org, and click the Resources tab and the Webinar Archive tab. Thank you for listening to this Webinar Archive presentation from the National Native Network.